In this episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Austin Yang. Happens to be 25 years old, already had 13 properties using the burst strategy in only 19 months. You'll definitely want to listen to this for some golden nuggets. Stay tuned. Hey everyone, how's it going? Excited to have Austin Ye here. So this has been a long time coming. Really excited we actually share the same coach. So this is gonna be pretty awesome. Let's see who's getting the extra tips here. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, like I said, they got the 72 real estate investor here. Uh, really excited to have Austin on. Uh, Austin has just been off to the races. I mean, what, 25 years old, 13 properties, and all done in 19 months, and he's not stopping there. So. Uh, which is really exciting. So Austin, thank you for joining and getting on to the 72 Real Estate Podcast and YouTube video. Thank you so much for having me, man. This is uh, a long time coming. We've been chatting back and forth. <laughs> it, it is. You're a busy man. That's why. <laughs> yeah. So that that's awesome. So thanks again for making time out of your busy schedule to make this happen. So so Austin, interestingly enough, I think the first time I met you, I met you at a, uh, at a Wright Club event, I believe it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this was back in November, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. On the yeah. Saturday full day event. It was a Saturday full day yeah. event. Yeah, it was a very good event. Right Club knows how to do it right. And sure. uh, no pun intended there or <laughs> some words there. Um, but um, yeah, so yeah, so we met. And then like, like I remember meeting you and then I heard your name um, just through the mix. I mean, it is, at the end of the day, it is a big network, but it's still a small network. Um, Heard your name and then had heard that uh, that you had hired. We had basically had essentially had the same coach, you know, in, in real estate investing and basically got the coach around the same time, which has been awesome uh, for me anyways. And I'm sure the same for you. It's just based on what you've been able to do so far. Um, but I know we had a conversation about branding. And of course, uh, <laughs> you always have me laughing. Uh, you'll send me a message about, you know, the whole 7-2 real estate investor and what I'm trying to do with branding. So maybe we can start there. I mean, before we get right into the, the nuts and bolts of what's taking you there, I mean, what are your thoughts on branding? Man, I think branding is absolutely essential um, for any real estate investor. I know a lot of people are trying to get out there and raise capital, um, but if you don't have a brand, if no one knows who you are, you don't have a reputation, then raising capital becomes so much more difficult. Not saying that it's impossible, but creating a brand for yourself will definitely make it much, much more easier. Um, with me, I always kind of understood the importance of branding. Um, but, but until like, again, we're just chatting about it, hiring a coach, I didn't really take it super seriously. And, and now that I have, um, I feel like my goal, like my real estate goals, it's, it's well on its way of all, all being achieved. So it's, it's, it's extraordinarily important. Absolutely. Well, that's the key, you know, and, and that's, that's the beauty of when we, when, you know, you hire that right coach, it's, it's not just about the nuts and bolts and this is how you're going to do a burst strategy. This is a rent to own. It, in, in, I know specifically our coach, our coach is uh, Corey McKinnon, who's just been just awesome. And, uh, but it, for me, he encompasses a lot more than just the nuts and bolts. It's the, it's the bigger, bigger, bigger picture. It's the fundamentals. It's about the longevity. Uh, it is a marathon. And uh, it's nice because he does focus on the branding aspect. He does focus on the social media aspect. Um, and, uh, and he's done really well for himself. And it, it's, it's almost a, a kin where, 
you know, you, I, I use a lot of sports analogies and you, you go to the gym, but if you're able to hire a mentor who's out there in the corner, who's busting his ass every day and you see they've won all the Mr. Universes or whatever, and they mentor you, guess what? You almost, you get that programming going. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I find with, with Corey is, is it's, it's not just the real estate stuff. It's not just about the big picture with, on the investment scale. I mean, he's kicking my ass to make sure that I'm taking care of myself. I'm, he's making sure I'm, uh, you know, exercising, he's making sure. So it's, it's almost like a, a life coach within the real estate sphere, which is, which has just been amazing for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I, I share the exact same experience, like uh, corporate advice. When I have anything going on in the workplace, I know I can always rely on Corey to, to kind of know what the right moves are going to, what the right moves going to be when I feel uh, a bit burnt out sometimes, cause it's very easy to get carried away in real estate. Um, it's nice to have someone very experienced in real estate tell you it's not a race. You can slow it down times. You can, you can enjoy the process. Yeah. Um, and it's, it, yeah, of course, it's just great to have someone to rely on and, and chat with about real estate, about life, about corporate, just everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I saw, it's funny cause I was out in, uh, I was out at what a project and, uh, met Corey there. Corey came by there. And I could just see Corey's face as he's coming. Corey knows his property and he's just <laughs> laughing, right? He just knows. I'm like, that's okay. I got the best coach. We're going to get this figured out. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. What? So that, that's great. So well, that's awesome. So let's, let's, let's first start. I mean, you know, Austin, like mm-hmm. before you, like, what's your story? Like before real estate, like, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, you're young. I mean, you're 25 years old. Crap. <laughs> Jeez. I think I was just graduating from high school when you were born, but what, what are you born in 1995? 95. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're good at mental math. Yeah. Well, that's a first, <laughs> but yeah, I was, God. Yeah. High school graduation. Oh God. Okay. So what is your story before real estate investing? Yeah. So my story is basically a typical immigrant story. Um, my parents are born and raised in India. Uh, it's shocking to a lot of people because India. I'm Chinese. Yeah. In India. Okay. Yeah. You got me surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I get that reaction a lot. Um, I wasn't born in India. I was born in Canada, but, uh, uh, back to the family heritage. They were born and raised in India. My dad dropped out of school in grade six to support his 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 mother and his father and the rest of his siblings. So he was deprived of education. Um, they came down to Canada around the 1980s, and it was the typical immigrant story. They had to hustle hard, work nine to nine to ten, all blue collar jobs to make ends meet. Um, so when I was born, there was definitely no silver spoon in my mouth. And one thing that I did get from my parents was understanding the value of hard work, work ethic, and, and grinding. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing in life is handed for free. So that's probably some of the biggest life lessons I got. And it, it really hit me at an early age. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was always a very studious student in school. Uh, my parents really emphasized the importance of education. So mm-hmm. I was like the typical Asian all ace like straight a students um and going into high school um i actually wanted to be a doctor just because my family doesn't come for money but money to me was always very important just because i felt like i didn't have it and i didn't get all of the things that i wanted so as i continue to grow up i want to have the ability to buy whatever i wanted or whatever i couldn't get as a child um but then i quickly realized that um, the sciences were not my passion. It's not what I wanted to do. Uh, but when I took my first business course, uh, that happened to be my, my strongest mark in high school. And I thought just because it's my highest mark, I'm going to pursue a career in business because I'll probably do well in it. 
Um, but little did I know, grades don't necessarily reflect how well you do in the real world. Yeah. Going into university, uh, I was specializing in accounting starting off. I was just kind of following the herd. Everyone was doing accounting at the time. Mm -hmm. CPA was a hot topic. Um, and I worked at my first internship in audit at PricewaterhouseCoopers. Oh, wow. Um, and then I, after working that experience, I got a lot of soft skills. So like how to communicate with clients. Mm -hmm. uh, but it just wasn't something I was passionate or interested in. So I couldn't see myself doing this for the rest of my life. Right. Um, so I dabbled around in a bunch of different corporate jobs. So I worked at Deloitte for consulting in my next internship. Um, and then Hydro One for strategy and business planning. Oh, wow. And the, the funny thing is that every co-op got progressively better and better. And I obviously got some skills out of it as well, but I never had a sense of fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I was doing everything that society was telling me to do. I was getting good grades. I was, um, I was an executive at numerous student-run organizations. I was working great internships. Mm -hmm. I had scholarship money going into university. But for whatever reason, um, I still felt a sense of emp emptiness and I didn't think this is what I wanted to do for my entire life. Mm -hmm. And uh, fast forward a couple of years later, now I'm investing in real estate and uh, I am so happy I made that decision, probably the best decision of my life. Right, that, that's awesome. So, so there's a couple of things actually, which I mean, I'm still, I still can't believe you were born in India. So, so you're <laughs> no, born, born in Canada. My parents oh, were well, born, born in Canada. Canada. Okay, okay. So <laughs> I was born in Canada as well. My parents are from East Africa. Um, but with my skin tone, people would, you know, usually think I'm either from Mediterranean area or from India and that kind of stuff, but you're more Indian than me. <laughs> and so that's funny, but uh, I, I just can't get over that. But, but the thing is, and I was just going to throw a joke with that saying, comfort, if your parents came from India, then you had to become a doctor or an engineer. <laughs> right. So, yeah. um, but, uh, so, I mean, I think it's amazing, you know, and I think there's just, you heard the commonality of, of the stories with respect to, you know, our parents that, you know, would have immigrated uh, and when they came in, barely speaking the language, uh, hustling, grinding, whatever, whatever it took. And they never complained. I mean, that's what I found up growing. They just, they just did it. No, they just no, did no. it. And, and, and that, that's what they had to do. Um, and, um, and I'm, you know, and, and I find that since I've been in the real estate game, I'm like that. I don't complain. It's like, it's not like, Oh, I got to go do this. It's like, it's, it's, it's something you got to do. It's, it's the grind, right. Uh, versus working, working full time, working for someone like, I can't comment for everybody, but I know for myself, I've been in the same company now for over 20 years. And it's like, seriously, <laughs> I have to do that right now type of thing. So anyways, so of course the theme behind my, my podcast and, and the YouTube channel is really, there's twofold. Okay. Number one is it's called the seven two real estate investor podcast for a reason. And for those that are subscribed or listening, and if you like this podcast so far, please make sure that you hit the like button. I was reminded by many people. I forget to do that and also subscribe to the podcast or the YouTube channel, but, um, is what does a seven two mean? And a seven two in poker, when you're playing poker, the seven two is the worst possible hand you can be dealt with. Um, when you first get dealt those cards. And, and, you know, there's, unfortunately in life, you, you're going to get played or dealt a bad hand. And in life, you really have no choice. I mean, if you fold that you're giving up, you're, I mean, and people do that, which is, which is sad, but you got to find a way to play those cards. So in my circumstance, I, I came up with that because I was dealt a horrible, horrible hand. 
and I had no no choice but to play that hand. Um, I look back at my parents; they came from a foreign country, you know what they came with, and they were dealt many seven twos. I mean, they had you know here they're working factory jobs or whatever jobs they're doing, and interest rates are nineteen percent. I mean, that's a seven two. Like, how do you like you know, and, and minimum wage, whatever it was in in in, in that time period, it, they grinded it out. Um, so having said that, uh, if you don't mind me asking, do you have a seven two moment, and what was it? Absolutely, absolutely. So I think a lot of my life, um, I didn't have the luxuries of of some of the peers um, that I met in university. Uh, and and so what I mean by that is going back is the typical immigrant story, right? Um, I was born and raised in the Malvern area. So that's kind of a, a little neighborhood down in Toronto, um, had very high crime rates, gang, gang related activities, violence. Um, luckily, I was able to avoid all that, keep a head on my shoulder. Um, but I was exposed to those things at a very early, early age. And um, going through life and, and going into high school, I was always a good kid. Um, I try to do things the right way. Um, but but it, it does catch up to you eventually, right? Um, so, so in high school, like I've done things that obviously I'm not too proud of. I've almost been arrested before. Like surprisingly, not, not many people know that about me. Um, but it's just kind of the environment you surround yourself with. Oh, yeah. um, it, it's just kind of... I don't want to say a fact of life, but it's very easy to get caught up in these things. And, and, and one thing that I never thought would ever happen is that I would have a network of, of millionaires and multimillionaires that I could just pick up the phone, text, talk to never in my life, just because kind of the people I was surrounding myself with and the people in my area, obviously not many of them are wealthy. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like you had to grow up in a pretty lavish neighborhood to be connected with these people, okay. but that's so far from the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one of the seven two uh, hands cards that I was dealt with is, is just the circumstance of life, but I still able to make it work and, and surround myself with the millionaires and multimillionaires. And that was just by going on networking, continuing to support their content, supporting their journey and just putting myself out there. So that's tying back to that kind of branding conversation we had earlier. Um, another big seven two moment, and this is what really clicked the thought of financial freedom and eventually led me down the path of real estate is that family has always been extraordinarily important to me. And in the Chinese culture, really emphasize spending time with family, taking care of loved ones, um, especially as they age. Mm -hmm. So my grandmother pretty much raised me when I was born. Uh, she lived with my sister, myself and my mom and my dad. Um, so when my mom and my dad were at work hustling or grinding, my grandmother would take care of me. Mm-hmm. So just a couple of years ago, she was diagnosed with cancer. Um, and, and, and that was a huge shock to me because she was like, she was like superwoman to me. Um, she could do anything. And basically I was in the middle of about to, I, I was not in the middle, sorry. I was about to start my full-time job. However, I was lucky and fortunate enough to tell my boss to push the starting date uh, away. So I was able to take care of my grandmother, uh, spend the next six, seven, eight months with her uh, until she eventually passed away. But those are moments in life that you will never get back. And I am so fortunate I was able to spend that time with her. But there's a thought that goes in my mind that if this happens again with another loved one and, and knock on wood that, that it doesn't happen. But the reality is, is that 
uh, our loved ones eventually as they grow old of age, they're going to pass away. And mm -hmm. since family is such a huge forefront for me, I, I don't want to be in the situation where I am going to work nine to five and I can't take days off to spend with my mom or my dad as, as they age. Yeah. Um, and that was a huge realization moment for me that I was super fortunate to spend those last couple of months with my grandmother. Um, but if this was to happen again and I continued living the quote unquote average life of working a nine to five, I will never have this luxury again. Mm -hmm. So I knew that financial freedom was something extremely important to me. And uh, I, I didn't know what avenue I was going to do to reach that, but I knew that was something I definitely wanted. Um, so I started dabbling around in stocks a bit because I, I studied finance um, in, in university, but I was never good at it. I was always kind of an emotional um, trader. So I, oh, I would- That is a stock market, man. There's no fundamentals. Coronavirus. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not stock market. But, yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. Um, so I was just never good at it. Um, mm -hmm. I was doing the opposite of everything Warren Buffett teaches in the uh, teaches in all of his YouTube videos and his his books and his content out there, um, and I knew that the stocks weren't right for me, so I needed to find another avenue, and that's when I just went on YouTube, searched different ways to generate passive income, and I ran across Matt Pichet's video, and that led me down Matt McKeever's video, then Mike Rosehart's video, and then I just went down a rabbit hole of Canadian real estate, and I knew like this was it, this is the avenue I'm going to take down. To right. reach financial independence right wow well that you know thank you so much for sharing that that's that's yeah you know what time time is a non-renewable resource i mean i just i think i posted on that on social media you know you got to use it wisely you don't get you don't get it back it's it's, it's precious right it's it's gone and um anywhere in life i mean you know got it's it's always tough to try to find that balance but good for you i mean you must have been, you mean, how old were you when this, this happened, when your grandmother passed away? Um, it was two years ago. Two years ago. So, I mean, you were 23 years old. And, I mean, that says a lot for you. And I'm, I'm happy you were able to get that time in. And, and fortunately, you had a, a, an employer that was understanding. Um, mm -hmm. There are some that just aren't. And it's all about bottom line. And it's like, we'll figure it out. Right? So, but good for you for that. So, so you got it. So, you started watching these videos. And you, you know, like you, you said, why real estate is because, you know, the stocks and then you started watching these videos and yeah, there's amazing content now by a lot of Canadians, right? So I should say a lot of Canadians, but there's a number of, of, of places you can go to and it's growing, which is, which is great. What was your, when did you first purchase your, your first rental income property? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that was uh, about 19 months ago. Okay. Um, like before purchasing the first property, I was on YouTube watching different Canadian real estate videos. And after 15 or 16 days, I thought to myself, man, this looks easy. I can definitely do this. So I know a lot of people have the problem of analysis paralysis or paralysis right. analysis. Yeah. I had the exact opposite and it yeah, definitely bit way. me in the ass. Yeah. So what happened was after 15, 16 days of watching Canadian real estate YouTube videos, I found the Windsor market. It was the only market I could afford at the time. Okay. I could just barely afford that as well. I had to borrow some money from my parents and I had to borrow money from my girlfriend as well to be able to pull the funds together and buy the first property. But it was down at Windsor where houses at that time, you could find houses for less than $150,000. Wow. Now it's a pipe dream. Those they might days. have those opportunities here and there, but it's, it's extremely difficult. Yeah. 19 months ago, I bought my first property, a single family home in the Walkerville area, Windsor. 
and I purchased it for $130,000. So very, very cheap. Um, There was a lot of mistakes made along the way. I worked with the first agent that I ever met and came in contact with. Hmm. So how I ran across her was that I saw a property being listed and I called her and said, hey, I want to check this property out. She says it's sold, but I can take you to look at other properties. I didn't know any better at the time. So I agreed to it, drove down to Windsor, looked at four or five properties and I felt pressured to purchase one. She kind of put that pressure on me. It's like, so which one do you want? I didn't know anything better at the time. So I chose the cheapest one, obviously. Um, Luckily it still worked out, but it was filled with headaches. So the contractor I hired took me for a ride. I went over budget, just everything possible (laughs) went wrong. But luckily, I still came out on top. The market appreciated quite a bit. Um, so I was able to still refinance my money and take advantage of that. But I've learned from these mistakes because it could have been so easy for me to quit real estate just because mm. it was a terrible nightmare for my first property. Yeah. But I still saw the value in it. And I decided to give it a second shot. And uh, obviously, that led me to kind of where I am today. Yeah, that, that's amazing. You know, like... I find I would rather make those mistakes really early in the game. I think, you know, they're the best teacher, you know, whether it's your mistakes or learning from other people's mistakes. Um, Because it's easy. It's easy. Like I look at like going back to sports, you can have a player that gets drafted by a hockey team and they win a Stanley cup for the next five years. All of a sudden he gets traded or she gets traded to the worst possible team. They don't know how to deal with that. And it just destroys their confidence, their careers, everything. And the same thing can be said about real estate investing. If, you know, anybody can, you know, it, it depends what you want to get out of it, but failure is the best teacher in my opinion. Um, and, uh, and I think for your sake, I mean, like you said, what you learned with that, I mean, it's allowed you to do what you're doing right now. Cause now you're at, you know, since that time you got what, 13 properties, mm-hmm. and you've done this in 19 months, uh, which is just an amazing feat, um, which is, which is so important. And so what would you say? you know, would that be your, your most, the thing you learned the most was not relying on someone's advice versus counsel, as we would say. So advice would be something where someone gives you advice on something, but they don't have the expertise versus counsel. Someone that's walking your shoes Would that, would that be it? Um, sorry. So you said, (laughs) no problem, no problem. problem. So what I'm saying is like a lot of times, like like anywhere you go, you know, if you want to start working out, anybody on the street will give you advice. Don't, don't do cardio, lift weights or whatever. But until you actually speak to the person that's actually doing it or has the experience, that's where the real counsel comes from. Watch out. Yeah. Yeah. So this real estate agent, it sounds like I'm not, I mean, I'm not sure were they investor savvy that they, did they own their own rental income properties or, you know, what, what did you learn from that? And what, how do you, how do you mitigate that next go around or someone you're mentoring? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Again, like for me, I took action a bit too quickly. She was definitely not investor savvy. She worked with locals. Um, She was familiar with the area, so I'll give her that. But at the end of the day, for her, it was just a sale. And I encourage any investor starting off to contact more than one agent. If you're just contacting the first agent that you deal with or contacting an agent someone recommended to you, you don't know what else or who else is out there because... As much as that agent might be great for a particular person, that agent might not be the right fit for you. Yeah. Um, so I know some agents that really deal with a lot of experienced investors. 
But when you send a beginner investor to them, they don't have the patience to deal with them and to walk them through everything. Sure. So you got to definitely interview several different agents and figure out which one will be willing or, or be the best fit for you for a long-term relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of kind of the counseling and advice that you mentioned, throughout that entire process of purchasing my first property, I was getting so much advice. So people were telling me stuff, but they've never done what I was doing. And going through it the first time alone and hearing this advice, it's terrifying because I kept on questioning to myself, was I doing the right thing? At that time, I wasn't going out networking as much as I should. But have I, had I had that network that I do now around me before, it would have been much less scary just because I know that some people are tripping on my ear that this is too much risk. You're overpaying. Why Windsor? It's a terrible market. Like all of these things that I'm hearing from people, it would have been much more easier to manage and push aside and really stay focused. But um, throughout my first property, it was extraordinarily stressful, maybe even unnecessarily so, mm-hmm. just because I was listening to advice and not counsel. Right. Yeah, so true, you know, and, and, and that, that it's, this, this is a game of networking. It's a game of relationships. Transaction is you, anybody can go, I can pick up the phone, Google, find the first agent on there. I don't know what they're doing or what have you. They could be a complete douche, who knows, and that are self-serving. But, you know, the thing is you have to do your due diligence. Just like you're looking at properties, got to do due diligence. You're putting, you know, and, and that's a whole other topic, but you need to have a good power team together. And, uh, and that's a whole other YouTube and discussion itself. I think I've done a podcast on it as well is who you need on that team because it's easy enough to pick up an agent that says, Oh yeah, this is a great family home. You never have to move from here for the next 25 years. And it's like, well, you're, we're not on the same bandwidth here. We have to be on the same bandwidth. So there's some expectations on both sides. So, but, um, so your first property, you bought it for 130,000. How did you get to 13 properties in 19 months? Cause that's what everybody wants to know is like, yeah. like, boom 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 like that's yeah that's monumental man that's that's amazing so let's give her yeah for sure um i don't think it's any secret really it's just that i pushed these things on steroids so i pushed it to the max to be able to grow this portfolio to the size it is now um join venturships and using the burst strategy um so the burst strategy if uh, some of your listeners don't know it's the buy uh renovate rent refinance repeat strategy it's coined by brandon turner bigger pockets yeah essentially what it is is that you buy an undervalued property um you add value to it by completing strategic renovations so that could be adding an extra bedroom that could be adding an extra washroom adding a secondary suite cosmetic lift to the property whatever renovations you do let's say for every one dollar renovation you put in it brings about one dollars and fifty cents worth of value to the property um so that's that's the other r um, then there's renting it out. So having a finished, clean, nice product, you can more than likely rent it out for premium rents because very likely it's going to be better than whatever other rentals there are, are out there in the markets. Mm-hmm. And then you refinance the property. So instead of selling the property and getting capital gains tax, not getting any cash flow, uh, the better option would be is to refinance it. That allows you to pull your money out of the deal and purchase another deal. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did with my first property. Um, I did that mainly through appreciation so it wasn't very strategic but every property after that i strategically look for ways to add as much value to the property as possible um so it started with cosmetic renovations because at that time in windsor 
you could still get a very solid burr through cosmetic rentals. Mm -hmm. But now it's evolved a bit more into adding secondary suites, into adding additional bedrooms, um, into some more major work, uh, more expensive renovations. But that's kind of the market that Windsor is right now. So I got to be a bit more creative and be a bit more willing to spend more money on renovations. Um, so that was one portion of it, burring the properties and just recycling right. my capital. Um, another portion is, is that I'd been raising capital. And that was one of the main reasons I hired Corey as a coach is that I kept on telling myself raising capital is almost impossible, uh, especially since I'm very young, people are not going to take me seriously, but it comes back down to the branding portion of it. So I really, uh, I, I really pushed my branding over the last couple of months. So I post on Instagram regularly. I post on Facebook. I write articles on LinkedIn. I also post on LinkedIn. I put educational content out there, um, updated my website. And really that allowed me to establish myself as kind of a credible figure in real estate. And by doing that and getting my name out there, uh, I had people come up to me saying, hey, I have some money and I'm looking to invest it into real estate. Instead of the other way around when I was going out there knocking on doors, asking people like, Hey, do you have some money sitting around? Why don't you invest in real estate? Right now people know me before actually meeting me in person because they see my personality. Yeah. They see what I'm all about. They see what I do on a day-to-day -day basis just by yeah. following me on social media. So really the JV portion is what helped me push the, the scale of my portfolio on steroids. Yeah. And at this point, um, I'm, I'm not even really actively looking for too many JVs because I have so many properties to manage now and to stabilize. And I never in a million years would I have imagined my portfolio to grow that quickly. But uh, raising capital, is, it's, it's the key to really take your real estate portfolio from starting from something small to pushing it to something humongous. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, that, that, that's amazing, man. It is, and it is so true, you know, and that's why, I mean, I've, I've focused a lot of time on the whole, um, you know, branding side too, you know, it's, uh, you've been doing yeah. a good job at it. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. You know, it's like, uh, unfortunately with me, it's usually, you know, and I say this a lot and I may make fun of my, my three boys and it's like, you know, something I learned from them in the bathroom, which is just ready, fire, aim. Right. <laughs> so, and, uh, and just seeing what works and that kind of stuff. And, you know, and I just, I just found with the whole branding thing, there's, and I've come to realize as well, my, what my unique abilities are, and I just can't focus on things I'm, I'm not good at. I mean, it just, it just takes away from, from what I'm great at. And so I've hired a, a virtual assistant that's helping me with some of the stuff. Um, and it's a small detail stuff, right? Like I just don't, I mean, I'm, my head just going all the time and it's looking for that next deal and uh, keeping those legs moving. So, but that's, uh, it is fascinating, uh, the, you know, how you've been able to scale so quickly. So, so the other thing that you've done, which is very fascinating, is, um, and you're, you're, you're very humble about it, and you don't talk about it as much, is you started the Rise Network, mm -hmm. uh, which is very exciting. So, and this, if I remember correctly, this is a networking hub in the Toronto area, right, for real estate investors? That's correct, yeah. Okay, so maybe you could share a little bit about that and what and where and where like I love the name Rise Network. Where did where what does Rise stand for? Like, yeah, Rise stands for Real Investor Serving Everyone. Um, so what I've noticed is when I started, kind of the real estate journey and going out to networking events, I would feel very timid because a lot of the people that are attending these events are much older than, than me, and they have many more properties than me. 
so when I spoke to them, um, I didn't really know what to ask. I sometimes felt like they were definitely not looking down on me, but it was a self-confidence issue where I felt like everyone I was speaking to was looking yeah. down on me. And that obviously wasn't the case, but it's kind of the, the rise network is more so targeted towards um, the millennial investors. Um, so people of my age, of course, anyone's op everyone's open to join, to come down to the event. But I find that with a lot of millennials, they get intimidated going to investor events because they feel like they have no value to give, which is not necessarily true. Um, the entire concept of Rise, I guess I'll back up a bit before I get too deep into, to, into the event, is um, kind of how it all started was a couple of months ago, I went to Andrew Hines' meetup at Hamilton, and it was just kind of a casual mixer event, and I loved it. I, I love just being able to sit down, grab beers, talk with people. And I thought, hey, this is something that I should bring to the GTA because we don't really have that here. Um, so for the first couple of months, I was just hosting casual mixer events. And then I realized that getting feedback from a lot of the attendees, they wanted something a bit more. So it was one thing to have a younger crowd there, people feeling more comfortable talking with each other. But they also wanted to be educated as well because... Given my brand and my age, I attract a lot of newer investors trying to break into the scene. Yeah. And they feel like there's not enough events that they can attend to in Toronto where they feel comfortable uh, going to regularly and, and being educated. Mm -hmm. So uh, myself, Daniel, and Terry. Um, is, we, that Danny, is that Danny, uh, Danny Flippin' Belgrove? Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. That's his yeah. new nickname. Make sure you call him that. Danny Dan Flippin' Belgrove. There we Flippin? go. Yeah, just call him flipping. <laughs> Where did this name come from? Oh, he's, 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 he, he, yeah, you know, we could, Danny's just an awesome guy, awesome yeah, guy, yeah. and just one of my awesome dudes. And uh, so, yeah, the, whether he's getting into flipping, whatever, it was actually one of my other mentors, uh, Ben Murashan, uh, had started calling him, uh, you know, Flipper Belgrove, so it just sort of stuck. <laughs> I'll make sure to call him that. <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll have a good chuckle. But the guy's always smiling, so you wouldn't know, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, so me, Danny, and Terry, a couple of buddy, buddies of mine, we, we got together and really sat down and thought, how could we bring this to the next level? Sure. Um, so we started reaching out to different speakers. Uh, so for our first event in January, we reached out to Mandy Branham. Nice. Who came out and talked all about how to raise capital. Um, and, and the entire concept of Rise is that we're there to serve the everyday investor. We want to create a comfortable environment, a community um, where people can feel comfortable coming out regardless if they have zero properties, 10 or 15 properties. Right. I think we're able to successfully accomplish that uh, with our first event. And we look to continue trending forward and bringing more great speakers to teach things about real estate, things about financial literacy, financial independence, to really inspire the youth and millennials to take control of their financial life. Um, the Canadian savings rate, I think it was like less than 2%. And that's, that's insane. I don't um, know if it's even that high. Wow, I thought it'd be Yeah, I, I, I don't even think it's even that high, but okay. that's really concerning. And with these younger millennials, what I've noticed is that they kind of live for the, the today and never really think about the tomorrow. So we want to kind of bring that aspect to the event and show that it is possible to achieve financial independence. Mm -hmm. Here are examples of people who have done it. And one thing I told myself when I was starting this entire real estate journey is that I wanted to do something not for profit. The biggest joy I get in my life is when I do good for others. It's good a sense of 
fulfillment that I get. Yeah. Yeah. Um, however, when I purchased my first property, I told myself some of the cash flow will be allocated to charity. Um, I didn't end up doing that. Second one didn't end up doing that. Third one didn't end up doing that. So it's easy to get greedy in real estate because man, when money starts coming in, you want to pocket it, you want to reinvest it. But I told myself with this event, I have to start now with the first event to make it and commit my commit to rise being not for profit. Um, so that commitment was made and we were able to raise about a thousand dollars in the first two months of operation for a homeless shelter down in Toronto. Um, so we have events every month and, and again, uh, we, we focus on educating millennials on how to achieve financial freedom, how to make more responsible decisions, uh, as they're in that transitionary stage. Right. That, that's, that's amazing. You know, and, that, and there's a, you know, a couple of things, a couple of points I'll, I'll point out, which is, you know, I've, I've learned that about my, like my parents used to always raise me no matter how hard they had it, it was all about service and giving back. And I find that ever since I've, you know, been in the real estate investing game, I've been, I've had this, you know, just want to give back more in any way or form, like whether it's like I, I'm, I'm one of the community ambassadors for Onria, and, uh, you know, we had the shoebox project for, for women. Uh, over the holidays and then, you know, supporting uh, the Hungarian experiment. Um, Peter, who does this whole sock drive for the homeless and it, it's just small things, right? And those are the ones that go a long way. But then furthermore, what I wanted to do was create content um, like, like the podcast or the YouTube channel because there is so much great content out there. But I think what's happened now is, and, and this is the comment that's come back to me is, I think people are asking for, you know, that like we talked about the seven two, so like my seven two was going through a real nasty divorce and the whole world crumbling around me and you know a lot of lot of people I consider friends giving up on me uh, my the company I you know basically sold my soul for you know giving up on me and that kind of stuff so and everybody has these type of things and having saying hey it could always be worse let's just find a way breathe we'll figure this out and I use real estate investing as my vehicle to where I am today but on the flip side to that Austin is I want to create content um, for those that are in that zero to you know ten property game who haven't started. Maybe they're thinking about it to ten because you go to bigger pockets and the best podcasts, in my opinion, were the first one hundred episodes. Absolutely, because after that, I look at some of that stuff. I'm like, what language is this? Like, you know, they're just talking about, and it can be very, very intimidating. Not just for that investor who's thinking about it, but an investor like myself, which is like, who and. And then what happens, it becomes noise and then your anxiety keeps up, it pushes you and you're like, I better buy something. I better buy something. I better buy something. So I wanted to create something and just say, Hey, just like, just back off completely for a breathe and so forth. Right. So, so I'm, I'm that's, I, I look forward to coming up to the rise network. I, I, I really do. I mean, I, there's, I promise also Andrew Hines to attend their gain event. Um, just that, that's the beauty. It's a good problem to have when there's so many networking events you can attend. Exactly. And so when you need, when I talk to people and saying, Oh, they're, I don't know where to find them or whatever. It's like, yeah, they're there. Like, come on, come on. These people aren't going to, these, these aren't going to come to you. You have to go get them. Right. So, so 10 years from now, you got 10 years from now, you're going to be 35 and 10 years. I'm going to be 53, <laughs> man. Jeez. 10 years. Where's, where do I see Austin? Where's Austin going to be? I see Austin probably with 10 or 15 paid down in full properties. Wow. And 
really just focused on educating and teaching others. A big passion of mine was that I wanted to be a high school business teacher um, when I'm around 30, mid 30s, because as with a lot of in real estate investors, I find the education system slightly broken. Slightly. Um, it's just textbooks, textbooks, and read, yeah. readings, readings, readings. Um, but it doesn't have any practical sense to it. I want to use myself as an example of someone who was dealt with a 7-2 hand, um, who grew up in less than ideal circumstances, who worked the corporate gig, but was still able to escape it in an early age, um, just through work ethic, dedication, grinding, and having visions and goals. And I want to show to high school students as they're in that transitionary stage, because not many high school teachers talk about it, is that there's more to one path than life. Uh, one thing I do always like to use an analogy is that if I'm investing in telecommunication stock and all I know is Rogers, obviously I'm going to invest in Rogers because that's the only stock I know. But if I go on Google and start educating myself on the different uh, companies within that realm, I'm like, okay, now there's TELUS, there's Rogers, there's Bell. And now I look into the financials. I understand what each, com what each company represents, what revenues they have, like net mm -hmm. profit, all of that jazz. Now I can make a fully educated decision. So mm -hmm. in high school, what they do is to just kind of laser focus you into one path mm -hmm. and they don't show you the other paths out there in life. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with not going to post-secondary education. And this is coming from a student of the school system, someone who got straight A's and basically did everything that I was told. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. And you can still achieve great things even without education. Education is important, don't get me wrong, but it's the right type of education to your personality or what your goals are. Absolutely. And a big thing for me as well is when I pass away, I'm not gonna carry my wealth with me, but I can carry legacy with me. I want my name to be established forever. So when people come to my funeral, I don't want them to cry Sorry, I don't want them to come and say, oh, I remember Austin as a guy with 50 properties, but didn't do anything else other than real estate. I want them to come and say, Austin impacted my life by doing this, this, and that. I feel like that's when you make, that's when your life has the most meaning and has the most significance when you're impacting others and helping them along the way. So that's where I see myself in, in 10 years is to be in that school system um, trying to help kids understand that there are different avenues in life and also obviously being financially independent as well. Of course. Of course. Well, that's so important. And I love that. I, I really do because, <clears throat> you know, I watched this, uh, it was on YouTube and it was, um, it was actually a podcast, Tim Ferriss, the four day, uh, four hour work, uh, work week. Um, and, uh, he actually did an interview with Brene Brown and Brene Brown is just, She's out of this world. Uh, my partner Zara, she's just really enjoys her content and uh, talks really about a lot about vulnerability. And she said something that really struck a chord for me. And I never thought I'd ever say this. And I actually said this to one of my uh, peers on the phone today. I was on the phone with them for a while, which is like coming from our side, you know, you know, both coming from raised from immigrant families and so forth. Uh, one being more Indian than the other. That's you. <laughs> and, and it was always, you know, the path was dentistry, 
it was medicine. It was always this upper echelon. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. It was just, that's the way it was. And, you know, our parents came to this country because they wanted to make sure we had great education and that we could take care of each other, take care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure there's also that stature too, that my son's a doctor or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, so in this interview they were talking about, and Brene Brown commented on this, that when her child goes to university or college, that is, um, they're, for the first four years, I mean, they're going to pay for the education. They're not going to, they're going to pay for education. Um, so she can figure out what she wants to do. If she just chooses one path and I can't remember exactly how she says, if, if their child chooses just one path, then she has to pay for it herself. Mm-hmm. So I thought about this in this, in this, um, you know, I was talking to my peer today and uh, I said, I said, my son is going to start university in two and a half years. And yeah, we've saved up in RESPs for him and that kind of stuff. But I know I went to university and I did different paths and then I got a, I had a student loan and I ended up working a job for three months. And I said, this isn't for me. This felt like a job. It wasn't a career for me. And then I got into sales after that. So after listening to this, if, if my son goes to university or post-secondary education, he asked me, what should I do? You know what? Take courses that you want, you're interested in. Take courses you enjoy. If you want to take uh, philosophy, take philosophy. I mean, you look at um, Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs was all, he didn't, I mean, look at the courses he took. He had this, uh, what was the, uh, the, the writing, the art, um, can't even think of it right now off the top of my head. What's that? Cursive? Wasn't cursive. No, it was all about the lines. And uh, this is horrible. I can't remember off the top of my head, so I'm going to tip my tongue. But the, the thing is, it was all about that. And that's what I want my son to do is, or all my children for that matter, is go to university. I'll pay your first four years. Figure out what we want to do. If you want to, like, it doesn't have to, you don't have to take that biology or the chemistry, which I did. And it didn't do nothing for me, right? Like, we're the, we're the, the real school is school of hard knocks. Mm-hmm. It's school of hard knocks. It's like you, what you experience with this agent learning, you know, and it wasn't a travesty, but you learned from it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I, I, I think that's, that's fantastic that you, that you point that out. So, advice for a new investor. So, if someone's listening right now and they're thinking about becoming an investor or already investing, what, what is, give me two points of advice you'd like to share with them. I will say counsel because it's not advice because you're doing it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So two pieces of counsel that I'll give. Uh, the first one is fairly common. A lot of people will end up saying it, but I'm going to hammer it down again. It's to go out and network. Despite feeling like you know nothing in real estate, um, if you don't go out, go out and network, you're never going to really get yourself out there never really going to truly learn because you learn from other people's experiences. Mm-hmm. You learn by making connections and, and leveraging other people and asking them questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're just staying at home and watching YouTube videos all day, you're, there's only so much you can get out of a YouTube video. Yep. But when you build a personal connection with someone, um, these people are there for you. They're there for you for your entire journey. So if you have any questions throughout the journey, any hesitations, everyone has been there. You can't, go on a YouTube video and, and build a relationship with someone solely through watching a video. You could leave a comment there and they might respond to it, but it's just words at the end of the day. Yeah. When you build a relationship with someone, you can definitely leverage them over the long term, And it's easier to surround yourself with like-minded individuals. Um, I know there's a common saying, you're the product of the five people you surround yourself with. And that couldn't be, that, that is so true. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've noticed that when I started going out networking much, much more, I saw results much, much quicker. 
Yeah. Um, when you see, like when I see you start branding like crazy, I tell myself, damn, I got to start grinding the, I got to start grinding posts out too. Right. So brand, you're just, yeah. sorry. <laughs> the branding right there. Yeah. I just saw that. I <laughs> love it. Love it. Um, so you got to surround yourself with people who are doing what you want to do. Um, or, or else you're just going to be getting advice and with advice, it's going to limit your growth. Uh, sure. Another thing is that while you're doing all of these things, like going out networking, educating yourself, listening to podcasts, you need to document, document, document. And for me, I don't even think I document enough. I was very heavy on Instagram before, um, or I still am now, but not really any other social media sites. Uh, I strayed away from LinkedIn just because I had that thought, if an employer sees this, they're not going to be happy. Reality is, is that if you get your work done and you do your work well, I would say eight or nine out of 10 employers will be okay with it. And even then, I think you have to prioritize. When you're posting on social media, sure, it's great to start off on Instagram. But if you want, I find, at least for me, when I want the really qualified leads, I got to start educating people on LinkedIn because this is where the CEOs are. This is where the directors are, the VPs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, the senior analysts, they're all on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And when you position yourself as an expert there, man, like the world is yours. Everyone has capital on there. Mm -hmm. um, so one thing you need to really do is prioritize. So for me, I knew that in the long term, I want to be able to get enough property so that I can retire. Mm -hmm. And if I was not attracting capital on LinkedIn, then it would make that journey so much more difficult. Sure. So I thought to myself, that's priority number one. Yeah. Um, the chances of my employer getting upset are slim, but there's still obviously a possibility of it. But my priority is not climbing up the corporate ladder. My priority is raising capital. So that's yeah. when I made that decision. Uh, I know a lot of people get nervous about documenting things because they feel like people will end up judging them. And the reality is that that's probably true. You're going to have some people judge you. But those are the people that you don't want to surround yourself with anyways, because if you continue to surround yourself with those people, they're always going to have something to say. They're always going to pull you back. Yep. So just put your business out there and continue to put your business out there. Because as you continue to do it again and again and again, you'll find that there are some people you might lost, might have lost touch with yep. who are interested in real estate as well and might start following up with you and you build new relationships. Right. Uh, you'll be able to raise capital. Obviously, that's extremely important. And, and also, the more importantly, you're inspiring others as well. Yeah. Uh, I think that's one of the biggest things that I got from social media and documenting was, aside from raising capital, I've been able to inspire others to invest in real estate as well. I had like a couple of high school buddies who've actually purchased <coughs> their first property just by seeing me go through my entire journey of real estate. And I, like, that is probably the best feeling in the world, knowing mm -hmm. that you're making a difference to someone else's life or inspiring them to take action. Right. For sure. Well, I think, you know, you, you, hit, you touched on a lot of key points there and you definitely have to trim the fat of your contact list, right? If you know, and that's what it is. I mean, I read the, heard this term on a podcast recently. It's called, you know, he says ecosystem management is what he does. So he basically looks at his ecosystem and that's his friends and so forth. And he just cuts those that, that if he's, uh, that are just holding him back or whatever. And, um, I've had, I've had to do the same thing myself and it's like, no offense, but Hey, we're just on different bandwidths. If you want to go get together for a beer and whatever, sure. But as horrible as it sounds, but 
you have to be selfish and uh, you got to think about yourself and you got to remind yourself of those goals all the time. And I'm just finding myself, like you said, you're surrounding yourself with like-minded people. Um, I want to be the dumbest person in the room. That's where I want to be. Um, I say it all the time. And I find a lot of times with my, with my, with my day job and not to be sound conceited, but it's not a lot of times I'm the smartest person in the room and it's like, it's boredom and it, it just pulls you back. So it definitely is motivating being in that room with you know like i said the smartest people like i said you're the average of the five people who hang around most um so okay so and, you know, sorry, I know, just to touch on that a bit more yeah please i think people think in extremes they feel like they have to cut all of their friends off and and make friends with only real estate investors and that's so far from the truth there's a middle ground to everything by nature you'll find that some of your friends will drop off because they will not support you along the journey and it'll right. just happen by either they'll stop talking to you or you'll just naturally stop having engaging conversations with them um it's not like a boom i'm not talking to you anymore it, it happens naturally um and another thing is that i still have friends who are not interested in real estate at all but they're super supportive of me and every time i buy a property they're like oh man you're killing it right they give you that motivation yeah. um so it's not like i don't want people to think in extremes like i have to cut everyone off all i have to do is live breathe eat real estate because that's not healthy either um so yeah. there, there is a middle ground to everything, uh, but just, just wanted to bring that up for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. No. And I, I appreciate you, you know, uh, mentioning that too, because it is a balance, right? So for sure. So one of the questions I caught my surprise question, and unfortunately I think either you've studied my previous podcast or you've heard, listen to them. So thank you for you've been listening to my podcast, Absolutely, uh, which is the question is, is the tombstone question. Okay. And a tombstone is, you know, essentially your tombstone is, and you hit, you said it before, I mean, you know, you're six feet under, you can't take your, you, you can't take all that stuff with you. It's what you leave behind, which is your legacy. But there's only so many characters that someone can put on your tombstone. So what would, what, what would your tombstone read? Like, what would it read? Do I have a character limit <laughs> or is it like one word or? It all depends how, how good of an insurance program is for that stone. <laughs> <laughs> I think it will say inspire others uh again with a lot of people that i speak to the most fulfillment they get out of life including myself is when you do good by others so small things like it doesn't even have to be volunteering it could be tutoring someone if you tutor one of your buddies and they end up getting an a plus in that exam you're going to feel pretty good about yourself mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you don't have to inspire everyone um just make sure that kind of the actions you're taking are not completely selfish because um, at the end of the day when you pass away do you I, i'm sure a lot of us want people to be at our funeral and the people that are at our funeral it would be nice to be remembered by being able to impact other people in one way or another so sure. for me that's through educating others um for a lot of people it could be inspiring their children leaving a legacy behind for them to be a good father a good mother whatever the case may be um but if you're living life selfishly and just always thinking about yourself and having a scarcity mindset as ben likes to say a lot it becomes very unfulfilling um so that's that's one mantra i live by is everything i do i have the intention of inspiring other people and obviously that positive energy will feed back to me and it'll continue making the world a better place because that person will inspire someone right. else I don't know if you've seen the movie Pay It Forward. Pay It Forward. 
I've heard of it. Yeah, is that, is that Mel Gibson? Honestly, I think it was Mel. I don't remember the actor's name. I remember the concept. Of the Cage, movie. one of those. Yeah, you're 25 <laughs> years old, man. Like, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Salonis. That you're saying, you know, pay it forward. Yeah, no, and it's so true, right? So you have to, mm-hmm. you have to do it. So, well, Austin, I really enjoyed uh, doing this. It was a long time coming, um, and you know, I, I just think you're doing amazing things you got the right track i mean at 25 years old it's uh it's it's just amazing it's amazing and your parents should be very proud of you um and uh i'm proud of you and uh like i said i can't wait to make it out to one of the rise networks i know you've really been pushing hard with the networking and branding and you tell me you see me everywhere but i actually see you everywhere as well so you just keep oh, up appreciate it, dude. Keep <laughs> good work and uh and uh you know just uh We'll, we'll, we'll just stay in touch as we are always, and uh, we'll go from there. But, again, thank you for your time. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It was a blast. Oh, it was a pleasure. And just I have to do this, and it's Matt McKeever style. So if you enjoyed this, please subscribe to the podcast. If you enjoyed watching the video, please hit the like button and subscribe to the channel. Austin, um, I'm going to need your contact information. I'm going to put it in the, in the show notes. And, you know, we've talked a lot about Corey McKinnon here, so – We'll put a show note. We'll put some notes in there for him too. And of course, uh, Cashflow Tribe. We mentioned Ben Morrison as well. So thanks again, Austin. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye.